Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello and my co-host is a man who doesn't pay his bills, I've learned, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Ciao, Frank. A uh, good friend of ours, uh, Jerry Mancini, says, story time with Jerry. My story here is this, there was a guy reaching out via text, trying to frantically figure out there's going to be a podcast at night. Heard nothing. Come to find out it was my phone that was the problem the whole time. And so the podcast last night got canceled because we couldn't contact each other. And then we didn't realize, oh, there's Messenger, there's, there's Twitter, you know. So, but we figured it out. We're here. How are you, Frank? Yeah. If only we used <laughs> other vehicles of communication at our disposal, we would have had a podcast last night. Yeah. So, but it's nonetheless, it's, you know, make make them wait another day. Make the people wait another day to get the good knowledge and, uh, and, and 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 look here they are i mean our, our loyal following is here yeah. uh, i i thought maybe we had to cancel it because you were fine-tuning the new jazzy five-minute countdown <laughs> so the jazzy music that's what they're here for <laughs> yeah so I, I thought that you know for a second that that's what it was i was just trying to put it together so yeah uh but hey it's you know we're here we're here we're gonna we're be here. just you know a little day later but a day closer to derby d'italia which we'll have a chance to review um a little bit later on in the podcast I see you don't have that in our rundown. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 do we need I, to cancel this and do it tomorrow so you can have yeah, it in the rundown? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. That's probably a good idea. You know. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Calcio carrier pigeon. We'll squeeze it in before. between Match Week 22 and Conte. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear our take on Lataro's goal, on Lataro's goal but more. We, yeah, we, I'll, I'll have a little something to say about Lataro's goal. Yeah, a little um, controversy there, huh? On his goal? Yeah. No, yeah, we'll I thought it was we'll fun. get to it. I thought it was fine. I, I saw somebody get knocked down, but it, nothing that nothing that looked really out of the ordinary. So yeah, we'll get into it. You know, and then importantly, the penalty. So yeah, those will be those will certainly be talking points. Uh, you know, in the Fiorent, from the Fiorentina Inter game. So we will break down. There were three key matchups over the weekend. We'll talk about those. We'll get to the rest of match week twenty two. Is Antonio Conte coming to Milan? Uh, you know. Uh, I hope not, and I'll explain why when we get to that segment. Uh, we will talk about uh, the Mercato as the window will shut tomorrow, uh, February 1st, uh, and some last-minute deals. Roma's making some moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fiorentina getting a, getting Belotti. Juve's trying to make a couple of moves to fortify their team. Some guys put, making a push, while others are happy with what they've got and not doing a whole lot, um, and others yet are... Looking ahead to uh, the future and looking at the next season, namely Inter with a uh, a possible key free agent signing in the summer. So uh, lots going on on that front. And then we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game, Who Won Calcio Twitter. So, Richard, let's start with Fiorentina and Inter. Plenty of talking points, not just uh, the game itself, but the incidents that were involved in it. Yeah, uh, obviously a big game on the docket there with um... – you said Fiorentina and Inter, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to start with I'm that one. I'm still catching up. I'm still catching up from yesterday. Hey, uh, important game, a big game, obviously, where um, Inter, obviously, you know, top of the table, trying to keep pace. Obviously, Juventus nipping at their heels. 
trying to do everything they can to get into uh, to catch back up with them, hoping that Inter, Inter slip up. Uh, prior to this, there were some slip ups behind them, so Inter had a chance to kind of pull away. Um, you know, really had you know in some of these situations, you see your your fellow rivals slip up, and you say, "Hey, I get the night off." But Inter, you know, determined not to do that, uh, and it and it proved uh, it, intently, I would say. Uh, 14 minutes in, uh, Inter get a set piece. Uh, off a corner kick, Lautaro Martinez on the near side, all past the goalkeeper. Player goes down. People screaming that maybe it was a penalty, uh, a penalty against a foul against Lautaro Martinez, but nonetheless they go up one nothing there in the 14th minute. Um, really very tight game overall. Uh, went back and forth. Mostly Inter, you know, had, had the domination of the play, but you know Fiorentina made it tough for them in this game. Um, game was very tight throughout and late in the game. Uh, we get a chance where ball goes into the box, up for grabs. Sommer comes out, and Zola goes up. Bam, he goes down. Um, Sommer going for the ball. They call a penalty on the play where he punches the ball uh, and then punches Zola in the head. Penalty. Up steps um, Miko Gonzalez, and what the hell was he thinking? One of many missed penalties this weekend, which is un unfathomable. But uh, Sommer makes a save, kind of makes up for his error. Inter win one nothing in this game. A really truly um, a difficult game. It, it's absolutely a difficult game. One of the seven sisters here, Fiorentina, playing them tooth and nail hard. It's a hard game for Inter on the road, but they found a way to get it done through Lartaro Martinez's 19th goal of the season. Uh, thoughts on the game overall? I thought. Well, let me get your thoughts first before I get into any further. Um, I thought it was a disciplined uh, tactical approach from Inter, which you start to see more and more. And I think you you have to come equipped with when you're going to the Artemio Franchi, you have to play that kind of game, especially scoring so early. Um, you know, I think they can invite pressure now. They can invite Fiorentina coming at you. Um, and, uh, you know, there were moments, though, where Fiorentina were able to catch Inter stretched. And it was you know, there was one final ball here or one missed touch there that just kept them from being able to execute something that could turn it into a goal, you know? So there were mo some moments there where Fiorentina shot themselves in the foot where they could have gotten themselves back into the game. Uh, but then there were other moments where Inter interplayed with compactness. They had four players central in the penalty area. Yeah. Um, if you, if you notice that, and when that happens, you're outnumbering the forwards, you're outnumbering the targets. And what do Italiano teams do like to do? They do it with, they do it with a little bit of wing play. Uh, they'll do it with uh, service and trying to get service into the forwards. Well, when you suffocate the space for the forwards, there's really nowhere for that service to go. Okay. Um, Fiorentina did adapt to this a little bit. There was a great chance from Bonaventura in the first half, uh, that Sommer made an excellent save on. Um, but all in all, it was a good game plan from Inter, you know, in terms of how compact they played, taking advantage of that first goal, you know, and being able to just uh, and, and ride it out. And they still turned it into good chances going the other way. Yeah. Um, I want to say that, but there was a Fratesi chance. I think there was one. Augusto that was missed off a, a sitter, honestly. Yeah. People are like that, pissed off at Augusto for missing that. That one. So they still count, caught Fiorentina on the counter. Yeah. Um, I, Bonetti was making a lot of comments about the high line that Fiorentina was defending with, where they were kind of where, where they were regularly getting caught out. Um, you know, Taram was getting behind them a lot. Taram also played well as a target he did. Uh, in certain spots. I saw some positives in that. Um, you know, I I think it was a performance where Inter just came up with the resources to get it done. Um, probably left another goal on the pitch if if we're being totally honest here. 
but did a real good job of, you know, choking out the spaces that that Fiorentina tried to exploit in crossing situations where they can finish. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's absolutely fair. Uh, and I think some of the two two of the big key takeaways from this game, as you would imagine, with Inter and and, and the rivals, you know, trying to play catch up or what what, what does Allegri say, uh, catching the robbers. Um, Two plays were, were, were drew up some controversy. I don't know if it was really controversy or not, but first to start with Lautaro Martinez on his goal. He knocks over Parisi, um, and Parisi goes down. People screaming, oh, it should have been. He, he fouled him. It shouldn't have been a goal. Uh, what were your thoughts on Lautaro's goal? Did you think it was a penalty, or did you think it was a fair shoulder-to-shoulder check, or what, what were your thoughts on that goal? I thought they kind of came together a little bit. I didn't really see anything where there was any malice or any, you know, you know, or any intent. And of course, I mean, fouls can get called where you're not being malicious too. I get that. Um, you know, I, I, I watched that replay a couple of times because that's one of the things that I noticed. Is, yeah, Parisi went down here, but it. I don't know if it was a foul in the strictest definition and in the nature. I was fine with the goal being allowed. Um, you know, it, it didn't particularly bother me that they didn't go back and check for a possible foul or anything like that. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, this is a contact sport. We, we, mm-hmm. we, often, we often forget that in this, in this quick give a yellow card kind of game, people fall down all over the place, especially in Italy, right? But... To me, it looked like Lautaro and Parisi went shoulder to shoulder, and, and he's just a stronger man than Parisi, and Parisi fell over, and he fell over fairly easy, yep. in my opinion, and so it was almost like he was tr- look, looking for a penalty there, and, you know, unfortunately, you can't do that against Lautaro. You give him an inch of space, he's going to put it away, as he mm-hmm. did in this one, getting his 19th goal of the season, so for me, it was a non-call, but I saw many Juventini and Milanisti and, and Laziale and Romanisti, a lot of people screaming that should have been a foul. I didn't see it that way, so I was okay with the non-call there, so I'm, I'm with you there. Um, and then the second big controversy. Oh, you got you got more on that? Yeah. Well, I, here here's my editorial to that. I, you know, and I and I and I went out and I said this on Twitter. I think that it's just the culture of the city uh, fan base as a whole. When your team is not in first, when you're when you're supporting a team that's not at the top, you're quick to piss and moan about all of the breaks and penalties and calls that go the way that, of the team that's sitting at the top, and you know, there's a sensitivity to it because how many times have we had to deal with match fixing and Calciopoli and all when of the you, history? When Juventus was on top, oh, they got all the penalties. When when Inter won that cup two years, a couple years ago, oh, they got all the penalties. Then then Milan got all the penalties. Then Napoli got yeah. all the penalties. Now it's Inter getting all the penalties. You know, it's just we see things it's skewed. Yeah, it's cyclical, and it's, it seems like the teams that are not in first, the, the fans get on Twitter and they complain. Oh, they got away with this. They got away with that. They get this break. Um, oh, they got that penalty. Well, because it was a fucking penalty. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, it's sometimes sometimes it's it's sometimes it's really black and white. There, there's no gla- there's no gray area. So, um, it, it, you know, amazing Vincent saying that it's clear that Italy favors Inter and Juve, which is why we need foreign refs. Do they? I you know, or are there are there really legit fouls here? I would you th- like English refs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Mar- Lautaro goal was perfectly fine. I mean, we, we all need to get away. We all need to get away from that. You know, people will just create. I mean, fan fans are just going to continue to create those perceptions. So. so we agree on that. We agree on that. Let's go to the next controversy in the game, which is later in the game, where ball goes into the box. Fiorentina gets the box into the ball into the box, trying to get a, an equalizing goal. Sommer comes out. Inzola goes up for it. Uh, there's a clash. Penalty gets called against Sommer. Thoughts on penalty or not in that situation? That's a penalty. 
He punched him in the face. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's sometimes when there is a challenge where you get more of the player than you do of the ball. I'd be interested in hearing what Lisey would have to say about it. But to me, that was to me that was a penalty. Um, it didn't take the referee long to uh, go to the monitor and see the infraction and, and turn around. I mean, if, if the referee is changing his mind that quickly, then it's got to it's got to tell you to how the law is interpreted that it's a penalty. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, goalkeepers need to obviously when they're when they're coming off their line to do claims, they've got to be aggressive in spots and they've got to be aggressive in moments. But like like outfield players, goalkeepers need to have that aggressiveness contained to a degree too. Uh, and that was a that was a violent that was a violent challenge. It you know um, it the result did not look good. The optics did not look good. But the reality was is that yeah, I, he, he 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 went Mike Tyson on Mbala and Zola. It's a penalty. Uh, I I view that I view it kind of slightly different because. Uh, in my opinion, you know, I think the, the goal is I'm always for the, the 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 attacker. I'm always, you know, I think the offsides are always go to attacker, and I'm always leaning towards the attacker because I played in the attack uh, when I played soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. But in this situation, I, I think the goalies have every right to go for a ball to try to clear it out, catch it, whatever, long as you don't do so maliciously, like you, like you mentioned. To me, what I saw is that Summer went out for the punch. It punched the ball and then it hit Enzola in the face and it was like a follow through. And I know, you know, I've heard people say like, you know, with the foot, you follow through, you got to watch your follow through because you get called for that. And I, and, and I probably sound like a hypocrite talking about that, but. Well, that's exactly the point. I mean, how is that different? You know, what makes it different from a, a sliding challenge where you get the ball first and you're, and you're following three studs up and you catch the guy's shin, you know, sure, and you get called sure. for it. I just feel like a goalie deserve, deserve goalies get beat up so much in that box that they should at least get a right to go after a ball to punch it away. And if you know if they knock somebody over, how many times have we seen it? You know, growing up, where a goalie comes out and just destroys Oliver Kahn, right? Oliver Kahn used to destroy people all the time. Not to say that's not a penalty, but right. um, I think they have every right because they're going to get beat up as well. And while it used to be called so quick against the attacking player when a goalie got hit, these days you see it get more let go, and so. A goalie's got to go out there and get the ball. It's his job is to stop the goal, and so he, went, he got the ball first. Then he got him in the face, and then a penalty is called. So to me, I thought it was justice because the football gods kind of looked down on Sommer, and he got that penalty kick save. A stupid shot by freaking Nico Gonzalez. What the hell was he thinking? Uh, which apparently this apparently this is his move that Nico Gonzalez, and he scored like this in the past. But going back to the penalty, yeah, I just felt like it shouldn't have been a penalty, but uh, it kind of worked itself out with Sommer making a save anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those that claim it wasn't a penalty, they can just go with the ball don't lie theory. But I mean, that is the most miserable penalty I've ever seen. I'm curious, I, yeah, I'm, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm curious what the what the rule actually states in terms of that kind of situation. We saw what happened with Magnon, but, you know, back in early in the season when Magnon did it, his knee was out. It was out of the box. You know, it's different. This is in the box. I'm curious what the rules state exactly, you know. Nico, curious. Nico had money on Inter. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. He's hoping for a move. He's hoping for a move. He had the Inter money line. Well, he wouldn't fit at Inter with the way they're no. set up. No. So, um, that would, they would have to totally change They would have to totally change their setup to accommodate him, and they're not going to do that. No. Um, so, you know, I mean, but this is what you do if you want to win a Scudetto, you know, your, your, your competition drops points. You are the last team to go. You go and you take advantage of and, you know, and do it. Um, you know, did the lineup with Inter maybe give you some kind of indication that 
uh, Inter was perhaps playing with a little bit of how they, they picked a lineup in such a fashion that they were playing with a little bit of house money, you know, not starting DiMarco and starting Augusto, for example, um, you know, not starting a Sherby and going ahead and starting DeVry and making some changes that, you know, that Inzaghi probably looked at the results from the other games and said, all right, I can, I can start a few different people here, rest a few different guys with the workload that we've had, or, you know, do you just say because of the workload they've had, they just go ahead and they just they did the, they were going to do this rotation regardless? So part of me thought there's a lug, there was a luxury to go ahead and start a couple different players here and bring people on if it was necessary if things were things were too tight or too uncomfortable. You know, I didn't think about it until you just said that, but you know, considering how the results went for Milan and Juventus, Inzaghi's looking at it like, hey, we have room to we're not going to we, we're confident we're not going to lose. Let's go ahead and rotate some key guys out. You know, save mm-hmm. their legs because it's a long season. We got a lot of big games coming up. Um, rest them and yeah, roll roll out with you know Augusto and some of these other guys and uh, like Aslani and stuff like that. And yeah. we'll take our chances. We don't. We, we're confident that we can at least get a draw out of this. And you know, it's we don't lose any lose any ground, uh, lose any um, lead in this one. But uh, yeah, no, I thought it was very because and we and, knew and, and we knew that Hakan and Barella were out for this yeah. game. So and I, it was it's what I, what I didn't like is. You know, if you're going to rotate, why would you rotate a game against like Fiorentina? They're they're a good team. Like so, obviously the the suspensions had um, those two key guys out of the lineup was be part of it. But also, you know, your, your two biggest rivals, at least in the table, um, they drop points, so you have a little bit of wiggle room, like you said. And and they're so confident in their defense and their team that they they're like, we're not going to lose. We're, we may get a draw, and I think that's what ended up happening. You know, now that you mentioned it, so yeah. And then at the same time, some of it also might have been with, uh, you know, you know, as it pertains to Serbi and and DiMarco. And I don't know what their yellow card situation looks like if they um, were a yellow away from suspension. And if they got that in the Fiorentina game, they were out for the Juve game. So that's another thing to consider. Be interested. I'm not paying attention to what their yellow card situation. So maybe Inzaghi had that in mind, too. But I all I couldn't help but think that even with Hakan and Barella suspended, you know, he took some chances on some different guys, um, you know, for this Fiorentina game to get these three points. Um, but it could be, um, you know. Did you, were, to, were you disappointed by Fiorentina? Like, I, it, yes, it's a, a much better team they're going against, and they played them very tight. But, I mean, overall, I wasn't too impressed. It wasn't really until the second half you started seeing Fiorentina really, you know, taking some good chances there. Um, I think and I, I think you got to give credit. I think you got to give more credit to Inter for really not giving Fiorentina anywhere to go with the ball. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, where I could probably be critical of Fiorentina is that there were moments where they did catch Inter stretched and had a chance to counter and just badly misexecuted. Like I said earlier, you know, there was a pass here uh, or a touch there or this player got in an offside position, which 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 blew the whole thing, um, you know, that cost everything. So. Um, this is one of those find a way uh, to win type efforts um, for uh, for Inter and a a result and a perform a result that's essential if you are hunting for uh, a scudetto here as Inter clearly are. So yeah. um, let's move on to the next one, Richard. Lazio Napoli uh, happened on Sunday as well, and that was a nil nil draw um, between the two sides. Uh, a relatively entertaining game. Napoli definitely had a lot of the possession. Uh, Lazio did a really nice job of keeping it tight. Um, you know, defended really well. Um, you know, you had uh, 
in a, a relatively aggressive lineup from from Napoli and a little bit of a different look with three at the back with Ostegard, Rahmani, and and Jesus, and then you had Rui and Di Lorenzo as wingbacks. Um, you, Raspadori in attack, supported by Politano and Ziolinski. So they go this route uh, without uh, Kvaracelia, who was not available. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, a lot of the possession with not a lot of knowing what they could do. I think that there was some solid. I, 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 I praise Lazio for the solidity, but then also having the ability to, you know, try to carve out some chances. And yeah, I, yeah, Lazio are going to look at this as a brave performance. They got a point, um, but can we be critical of Lazio here? Should they have won this game? Yeah, I mean, Castellanos nearly had the goal of the week, one of the goals of the year contenders, but his goal was called off sides. Um, yeah, yeah, I think they're, they're, they should be disappointed because they were the better team in this game. I yeah. thought Napoli, and I don't remember who mentioned I, I think it was Henry Ball, uh, Napoli supporter, but one of the Napoli supporters mentioned how, like, Mazzari set his team up like a team in a relegation fight versus a team who's trying to get back in the Champions League fight. Um, very defensive-minded, mm. and Lazio took full advantage of it. Isaacson, I thought, should have done a lot better. He had a couple great opportunities. He needs to put that thing on target, force the keeper to make a save. Um, overall, I thought Felipe Anderson was very silky smooth in this game, but probably more so than he's used to is uh, not making guys left, left and right. They had chances in this game. They had possession in this game. It just didn't capitalize on it. And when you got a team on the ropes like Napoli, you have to take advantage of it, you know. Uh, this game showed to me, you know, the, the, the positives from Lazio and that this is why I picked them so high because against good teams, they, they can, they have their strengths and they have ways that they can exploit them. And they did in this game against Napoli, but they got to capitalize it. Right. I love yeah. seeing Isaacson, Isaacson out there, but he needs to do better. He gets to get shots on target. Um, so I well, was, that was I, just it. Their shooting was, their shooting was horrid. Putrid. It was horrid. And it made the game boring. Right. Cause uh, you know, one team's trying to suffocate the other one out, and then Napoli, you know, started coming on the second half there um, with some decent opportunities. But overall, I thought Lazio were the better team, and uh, you know, I think Lazio ultimately are, are content. I think probably both teams are content with a, with a draw at this point, considering how the game went. I mean, Lazio will kick themselves. They wish they had the three points. They should have got the three points. But um, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a game that was lacking. Though I thought you know Lazio were by to me by far the better team. Yeah. I mean, as crazy as this is for Napoli and as bad as things have been for Napoli, they have 32 points. They're only four points out of fourth. Um, I mean, that's how ridiculously crazy. I mean, fourth yeah. to 10th is separated by five points. Yeah, it's um, the top three with, and then everyone else, you know. With Yeah, with 16 or 17 games to go. I mean, I think it's a dogfight to get to fourth right now. Um, I think you're starting to see with Lazio, um, and I think this game was very representative of it, um, with the changes that they've had and not having Milinkovic Savic, you know, and not really relying on Immobile so much as they used to, you're seeing Lazio shift their tactics. And this is, you know, something that's probably low key not talked about. And a credit to Maurizio Sarri. And maybe it was that year at Juve that, that rubbed off on him. Um, <laughs> but he's adapting. Yes. You know, to a style that's allowing Lazio to find ways to win rather than trying to play the Saudi ball that they played at times a lot last year that got them top four. You know, we talked about how a year ago or two years where Gasparini had to shift his tactics. And we're seeing that now with Saudi. Um, you know, they only had 39% possession in this game against Napoli. When would you ever imagine a Maurizio Saudi team have 39% possession? 
Um, you know, that you usually, when Saudi ball, you associated that with quick passing, uh, quick movement, possession, not necessarily tiki-taka, but, um, but definitely a, definitely possession-based, get numbers forward and attack with some aggressive combination play. Um, now, they're pull- now they're pulling back, they're defending more, and they're using that as a relative strength, almost taking a page out of the book of what the likes of an Inter and a Juve and a Bologna have done, and it's helped them really, really work their way back into this conversation for a Champions League place. So do you think this change of tactics started at the beginning of the season and, and it was just a bit of a growing pain? They had to figure out how to use the system? Or do you think it just was as a result of the poor start they kind of changed this tactics? You know, it's hard to say for me looking at it. Uh, it could be where they, it was growing pains and trying to figure out how – sorry, trying to figure out what's the best way to play this team and they're, they're trying to go through ups and downs. They stayed steady. Got to give credit to Lotito to not pull the trigger on Sadi, though I'm sure he was close. Uh, but they kind of turned it around and had this major up. You know, both Roman clubs had this great surge up the table now, and they're, they're trying to get into the Champions League spots, um, and they're all within reach. And you got to give credit to sorry, like you said, to going away from his bread and butter and fi- figuring out what works best for this team, this exact team, and using it. And I think that's a, a sign of a great coach. Uh, so yeah, that's my question to you. Do you think this is growing pains, or do you think he had to adjust on the fly? I think it start with it starts with the quick realization that Daichi Kamada sucks as far as playing in this league. Um, or just he's had, you. yeah, he's had flashes where he's looked okay, um, you know. But clearly, in a in a Bundesliga that's very attacking oriented across all eighteen of their teams, relatively, where he has a lot more freedom and a lot more space, where things are a lot more in a Serie A, where things are a lot more rigid. By and large, Kamada hasn't adapted. So what has he? What has Saudi done to respond to that? He plays. He still plays a three-man midfield, but he goes with two more, you know, combative box-to-box guys with Cataldi and Guendouzi. And Cataldi, you know, gives you a little bit of playmaking from that deeper-lying position. And then you've got, you know, moments where Luis Alberto can now have some freedom to link with the front three from the left side. I'll, you know, very familiar picture. Saudi's Napoli. What did he have? He had Jorginho in the deep line. He had Allen to the right. And then he had Hamsik, who was on the left and got the freedom. You kind of see traces of that, although Lazio are doing this in a more defensive posture where they're seeding possession. Um, so uh, I think that, and then just going with that, you know, and just trying to go with more of the counterattacking and then just making use of the chances that they get has has worked for them and has helped them elevate and get to this point because, you know, when he was trying to just continue to do Saudi ball and trying to basically plug Kamada in for Milinkovic Savic, it wasn't, it just clearly wasn't working. Kamada wasn't ready to adapt to this league, to the, to the tactical approach that teams take to the physicality. He hasn't gotten there yet and just, just needs more training really. Um, And you wonder if he'll come around and have a better second season, but you know, going to, more of the midfield battlers, like a going, you know, like a Guendouzi, has paid off for Lazio uh, because they're not giving as much away, uh, you know, defensively now as they were at the beginning stage of the season. What do you make for? And, and obviously, the coach will be the the low hanging fruit. But for Napoli, what? And yeah, they don't have they don't have Osimhen. He's at Afcon. They don't have Harashelia, but this is still a good team in terms of talent on the field. Like, what what is going on with them that? They just don't seem to have it together week in, week out. They have possession, yeah, right? But they're not doing anything. There's no substance behind it. Um, players that we have come to know as ballers, Zelensky, you know, Labotka, these guys have been 
fairly quiet lately and it's what do you make of it you know it's strange um you know i think that uh obviously not having all semen or all semen or a, a vaticalia sure. for this game hurts superstars <laughs> um you know they're they're their they're, they're two best players but I don't, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said a little earlier in this season. They have not effectively replaced Kim Min Jai. You know, when you had a defensive presence back there, that could absorb a lot, whether it's space, man marking or whatever. You know, when you have that presence back there, going forward, you can play with a lot more confidence because you've got a guy back there that can win it back for you. Um, it's just a psychological thing. You take now, you take him out of the picture. He's off to Bayern Munich, and they haven't quite figured that out. And that has filtered up to what's going on going forward. You don't see the ruthlessness that they play with yeah. uh, like you did last season. You know because they don't have the confidence in what's behind them. You know we're in the past when you saw these Napoli teams scoring for fun, even when uh, Koulibaly was back there. You know there's something to be said when you have an elite defender you know and i'm not going to go so far to say that kim's world class i don't think he is i think he's but he's trending he was he had an elite season last year and when you have the form when you have that kind of form behind you you can play with a lot more confidence going forward you can take more risks going forward knowing that if that ball gets lost there's a very good chance it's there it's getting one back and you're going to be in position to attack again tell me the napoli defender that gives you that confidence that's on this team. He's not there. And I think that that has worked its way up up front. And I think that it is, it is you know, it, it sounds like a crazy theory, but I think that there's some weight to it. Yeah, and uh, I'm wondering, you know, now if we're going to see more of Cyril and Gonge, you know, Lega Serie make sure you spell his name right. Because um, I think someone, this team is maybe in a, uh, sleepwalking phase right now. And if you add someone like Cyril Ngonj into the lineup, he can inject some pace, some creativity on that team, and maybe spark the other guys to get out of their, their shell or whatever. Because um, I, I don't see this team as a blow-up team. I don't see this team as a rebuild team. This is a good no. team still. They just got to get out of their funk, however it is, whether it's Matsadi or if it's not him. They, the players got to come together. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they did one of their little, their little hikes or whatever they call it. Um, I forget, I forget the words escaping me at the moment. But um, they got to get their shit together and, and just come together as a team and play ruthless. Bring that ruthlessness back, like you said. Yeah. They're just so like laissez-faire now. It seems like it's like, like the, the swagger <clears throat> of winning the title was went too far in their heads or something. I'm sure it's not that, but that's what it seems like. You know, it just. It's unreal. We thought Milan's performance last year was that bad as a returning champion. This one is just on another level. Yep, agreed. Um, let's move on to one of the most bizarre Milan games I've seen. I I, I, I can't <laughs> think of a more bizarre game. Maybe was it the, the 5-3 game during the banter era against Chievo mm-hmm. comes to mind? The 4-4 draw with Udinese several years ago when Allegri was in charge? You know, that game that you know, the Udinese example, that's a game you should have won, but enough brain farts happened where you dropped it. And then the Kievo game where you should have I think that was when Inzaghi was one of Inzaghi's first games, in fact. And it was with Diego Lopez in goal. It might have been Mihailovic, but I think it was Inzaghi. And, you know, you should have Kievo put away, but then something stupid happens where Kievo's still in the game. And it's just like, and here we are with Milan and Bologna that, man, I what a bizarre game. Uh, and and just you know, there's no way around it. It's a drop win for Milan. But go ahead. 
Yeah, uh, bizarre game indeed, absolutely. Um, Bologna got on the front foot through uh, nice work through Xerxes, poor defending, but Xerxes really, you know, uh, opportunistic in that play. Milan giving away too much room defensively, and Xerxes puts it away 1-0 early in the game, 29th minute. Um, just before halftime, RLC, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, he's been, a, you know, he's stepping up big over the last couple of weeks, several months actually. Uh, equalizes the game just before halftime, 1-1, nice play there. Uh, they play a little bit, you know, they play a very tight game throughout. You think it's going to be a draw. RLC turns up big again, gets a goal in the 83rd minute, 2-1. to one. You think, oh, Milan's won this game. Uh, they start bringing in some substitutions. Uh, Tedeciano is one of the new boys they brought on there, and he pl- makes a rookie move, a bad boy, bad move there. Uh, holding down the shirt, causing a penalty. I think Christensen, or I think it was Christensen that went down there, um, causes a penalty. Orsolini steps up, puts it past Mike Magnon, 2-2. Two, two, um, this game is just—it was bizarre. I mean, if you're a neutral, you probably loved it, right? Uh, if you're yeah. a fan of either team, you're probably just pulling your hair out. It was uh, uncharacteristic of many of the teams. Um, I, I've heard all the people, at least on the Milan side, say, you know, like, Leal sucks, this and that. I'm like, I don't see it that way. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. What would you make of this game? Um, just bizarre. Um, I mean deflect you know blocking all of those shots and then all of a sudden for Zerti to not meg Mignon was yeah. weird um the missed penalties uh you know the other missed opportunities that Milan had in this game um you know you're just trying to look for where the positives were in this match um i, I you know, so first of all a lot of credit to Bologna because the yeah. tactical setup i think was really good they yeah, outnumbered got a red card too during the, for that penalty in the uh that um Yep, Giroud took failed it. They did a very good job about numbering. So here's the thing, they did a very they did a very good job about numbering the ball side, but positioning their guys where Milan couldn't be in a position to change the point of attack where the advantage was. Um, I thought that their positioning, getting numbers, you know, and like I said, outnumbering Milan in the ball side in the in the ball area. You saw a lot of that in this game, and then they were able to spring forward and they were able to play off of Zerkze. Um, which, you know, a player that they've kind of been missing, you know, in this, in this bad run that they went on, Um, you know, so I thought, I thought that stood out to me because there wasn't a lot of room for Milan to play in most moments. And then when they, and then when they did finally break through, there was the last, the the final ball was trash. Um, And then they finally spring through Calabria, who was able to peel it back to to Loftus-Cheek and, uh, you know, and score. And then I think we scored, uh, it was a headed goal from Florenzi. Um, you know, to put Milan ahead 2-1. It was the substitution. And, you know, over the last several games, Pioli has made some pretty good substitutions that go in and make an impact. Uh, this was not the time to bring Tedeciano into a game. Um, this was no. this I had a big, big problem with. When you have Jimenez and Simic on the bench, um, I get bringing on a defender when you have to protect a league. In hindsight's twenty twenty, But Simic and Jimenez have... League match experience, playing with the guys that are on the pitch. Tedeciano doesn't, yep. um, and and it's I know it's woulda, coulda, shoulda, but and and, and things would might have been different. But why not put if you're going to take Pulisic out and bring on a defender, you could play Simic on the right side of a back three with Kiar and Gabia, okay, and then uh, Florenzi and Taylor wing backs, and then you have you have that compactness, you have that positioning, or you bring on Jimenez to play as a left wing back and you tuck Teo into the middle. Um, 
Either one of those would have been better than bringing on a Tedichano who is new to a team, has not been in a match environment, has not been in a match. And and bringing him on 2-1 up with five minutes to go was just the wrong call. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. there were other options that would have been better. It almost feels this that almost feels like a substitution that was just done on the fly, like saying, I need a defender, I'm going with this guy. You know, I'm just gonna go with this guy and not realizing that he had better choices that could have shaped him a little bit better. So yeah. um, you know, uh just got badly caught out of position uh and committed a penalty. It was Lazy. a stonewall penalty. Lazy, yeah, absolutely. And Dominic, I don't know why they would bring on bring him on. It doesn't make any sense to me. And just as head scratching is the you know the penalties. Obviously, the first penalty was a handball or elbow, whatever you want to call it, by Bologna defender. It was a legit penalty. Giroud steps up. Poor penalty by him. You expect a lot better from him. Uh, second half, you had a, a, a play where Le, uh, Leao, who I thought had a pretty decent game minus you know the finishing. Um, Mirage down the pitch gets like a, a stiff arm to the face right in the box clear penalty there and Teo Hernandez steps up this time because Drew missed Teo Hernandez hits the post scores but you know I was pissed off because I'm like how is that not a goal the rule does say if it hits off the woodwork on a penalty the player who took the shot cannot be the first person to take the shot I'm like son of a bitch that's actual penalty and I remember this at uh Scott Ramon Scott Monroe uh shout out to him and his um La Magia podcast but he meant he, he reminded me and I was like yeah this happened a couple years ago I remember this happened a couple years ago and I was like oh shoot it does it's so it doesn't happen that often that you forget about it and in the moment you're like damn that should have been a goal that's a goal and they're screwing us but no it was it, the, the actual rule states the player cannot be the first one to touch it off the post on a penalty, which is a, a weird rule, but hey, came into play here. And it's, uh, it's, it's, the whole, it's obviously the whole weekend is uh, an anomaly because we had what six out of seven penalties missed or five out of six yeah. penalties missed, which is crazy. You never see that. Mm-hmm. However, in this game, I think both penalties are poor. They should have done a lot better in any, all probably all the games, but in particular, these two, these are probably the two softest penalties you saw outside of Nico Gonzalez. Uh, and they, they got to do they got to do a lot better. We, you know, we missed the days like Frank Kessie, at least for Milan, where he was a stone cold killer. He did it for Ivory Coast again this uh, yep. during in the in on Af- a penalty shootout this week. In Afcon exactly. against uh, Senegal, uh, took out one of the favorites there. So Frank the Tank got it done there, and you know he showed everyone in Syria how to do penalties because everyone else missed this weekend. <laughs> yep. Oh. So. You know, one of those that you look at it, uh, you know, you look at it as a Milan supporter and, and you just got to say, all right, bad day, but still got a point out of it and, and not a whole lot of damage done. Still sitting, what, 10 points ahead of fifth. Um, I believe that's what it is. Yeah, uh, over, over uh, Atalanta. Yep. Uh, well, 10 points over fourth, 11 points out of over 10, 11 points over fifth. Okay. You know, so still really sitting in a in a very comfortable position. And let's just remember that this is a Bologna team that have done similar things like that to teams around Milan. Sure. So, um, you know, they drew Juventus and did they beat Inter or did they, or did they draw them? Um, they, shoot, I remember not. I think I drew them. I think they drew them. Yeah. But, you know, the, the thing that stings the most is Bologna are in their purple patch at the moment. They're, they're struggling. And yeah. So they, they found a way. Maybe this is a way to get out of their, their shell and get back to what they were doing from the beginning of the season. But, you know, yeah, it, it's a good team nonetheless. Right, right. So... I don't think there's anything to, to, to overly get into to panic mode about with, with Milan. Um, the opportunities were there to grab three points. It just didn't happen. Um, you know, you just hope that uh, you just hope that if you are a Milan supporter, that they 
they went through the learning curve to to make the necessary adjustments to make sure something like that doesn't happen again and they're not dropping points in that fashion yeah. uh, so that they can continue their solidified position and still maybe have some kind of opportunity to kick up uh, moving forward. So, um, you know, and Bologna, I just thought was was good. I mean, it just was a... You know, they, they needed a little bit of luck with the missed penalties, for, you know, from Milan. They found a way to, to scratch out a point, you know, might be what they need to try to kick on and, and, and make themselves a player in this top four chase again. So, um, you know, so you got to give them some credit for being able to, uh, you know, to hang in there and find a way to scratch out a point. So it was Thank a good Eduardo, Eduardo says draw against Inter and then they lost a successful Inter. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. There was a, one of them. One of them was a draw and the other was a loss. It just I, was I, I blanked over which was which by the so, way cheers anyone who's in the chat if you're in the chat make sure you like the video good thumbs up thank you yeah please thumbs up <laughs> if you're watching us live you're not participating in the chat well why aren't you participating in the chat That's jump right. in jump in drop a line tell us what you're drinking um and then also uh you know give us a thumbs up so so definitely do that so let's move on we'll wrap up the rest of match week 22 i'll fly right through this it was opened up on uh the island of sardinia uh Cagliari hosting torino um, it was a 2-1 win for Il Toro. Uh, Duvan Zapata in the 23rd minute, Samuel Ricci, uh, just before halftime to make it 2-0, uh, which killed my uh, Cagliari. Uh, what, did, what did I have? I had, I had, un, I had under two and a half. I had um, Cagliari win, Cagliari to win with, or no, Cagliari double chance with under two and a half. So, uh, 2-0 down to Torino, which means if Calder were going to come back, that would have been great. I would have hit that double chance, but I wouldn't have been under two and a half. So <laughs> thanks, Calder. I thought you guys would have played for your uh, hero, Gigi Riva, but apparently you didn't show up until the second half <laughs> yeah. uh, when Nicolas Viola had a goal of the week candidate Ooh, beautiful in goal. the 77th minute. Beautiful goal. It's actually my goal of the week, so if it's okay. a small consolation and a tribute to Gigi Riva, that is it. Uh, so... 2-1 there, uh, but 10 shots on special now. Devanya Malinkovic-Savic with nine saves in this game, uh, you know, to help uh, preserve the result for Torino. Uh, moving on to Saturday, Atalanta uh, continuing to get it done, and uh, Charlie the Kettleball, as, uh, as Art Morelli's calling him, is still making an impact. Two assists in this game and a 2-0 win over Udinese. One for Alexi Miranchuk, the other for Gianluca Scamacca. Um, and uh, quite frankly, had it not been for Maduka Okoye, the goalkeeper for Udinese, uh, there could Atalanta could have hung about seven or eight in this game. Um, Udinese was that bad. So, yeah. um, uh, speaking of that bad, uh, Max Allegri for some reason decides to start Arkadiusz Milik over Yildiz. Oops, um, Arkadiusz <laughs> Milik promptly uh, repays uh, Milik's confidence by getting sent <laughs> off in the 18th minute. Um, good red, good red. <laughs> it's a great red, <laughs> you know. But then Juve, as Juve does, uh, finds a way to score a goal and pull off a one-nil lead. Um, but uh, just twenty minutes later, uh, if this is goodbye, it's a hell of a goodbye. Tommaso Baldanzi rescuing a point for Empoli uh, with the uh, with a goal that uh, really, I mean, it was a decent goal. Um, Chesney never saw it coming. His swan um, song to Empoli. Yep. Uh, so Baldanzi leaves them wanting more, uh, but he is headed uh, to um, he is headed he is headed to Roma from the looks of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
If you woke up early enough on Sunday morning, you got uh, Genoa hosting Lecce, and uh, Lecce actually had the one nil lead at halftime through Nikola Kristovic, who kind of broke his duck. He was going through a little bit of a slump. He actually had a penalty that was saved in the yeah. 18th minute, continuing yeah. with the theme of bad penalty taking. Uh, but Kristovic scoring in the 31st minute, but then it was uh, Genoa making the comeback. Uh, Matteo Rategi in the 70th minute, and then in the 76th minute, uh, we had Caleb Ekuban from Matteo Rategi. It should be footnoted that this was all started by actually a brilliant strike by Albert Goodmundson. Yeah. That had it gone in, we'd be talking about that as goal of the week. Albert Goodmundson, certainly a player in demand, uh, and rightfully so. 38 shots between both teams in this game. This was a lively game and not your yeah. typical 2-1 score. So yeah. lots of chances to go around in this one. Uh, Verona and uh, Frosinone to a 1-1 draw. Uh, to- uh, Andre Duda, <clears throat> he missed the penalty in the 37th minute. So Verona gets another one and uh, Thomas Suslov steps up. Thomas Suslov steps, steps up and takes it and finishes just before halftime. And... Uh, uh, your boy Serdar uh, decides to get a yellow before halftime. Like, you know, you know, the goal was just scored. You're all happy. You know, you're getting close to halftime. You should just kind of be phasing down for that final whistle. What's Serdar doing out there? He so, uh, but Frozenoni rescues the point through Kyle George. Yeah, that guy that was said Juventus and was really hyped up and turned to shit. And he's trying to resurrect his career uh, at Frozenoni. So. Uh, 1-1 the final there. Um, you know, long-term, we could be talking about that being a relegation six-pointer. Uh, and uh, Monza with a 1-0 win over Sassuolo. Andrea Colpani continuing his fine season. Um, and he was uh, played in by Danny Mota. I tell you, Danny Mota has played so much better this season than he did last yeah. year. I thought I thought he was Was he not a, a Cracker, and a cracker last year? I think he was. got pretty or damn nominated. close. So he was yeah. nominated. He was, he was in the discussion if he didn't make it. So, yeah. But Monza getting back on track and, and, and finding their winning ways with a win there. And then uh, Daniel De Rossi has uh, managed to, and he has won two. A 2-1 win this time over Salernitana. A 0-0 halftime after, but Paulo Dybala does make a penalty in the 51st minute. Pellegrini in the 66th. Castanos uh, nearly, you know, halfway to restoring parity there in the 70th. And uh, it's a different Roma, folks. They had 61% possession in this game. I don't think they ever had 61% possession in a game with Jose Mourinho as manager, <laughs> at least not in a game that mattered. Yeah. So those are the games. Where do you want to start? I think that you, you mentioned how, <coughs> excuse me, how crazy the fight for the last Champions League spot is. I think it is equally as crazy fighting for survival in Syria. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the hunt for the final two relegation spots. You have for Ampoli, who's at 17 points on night and 19th place, all the way up to Frosinone, 23 points on 13, 13th place. It is tight. It is compact. You have yeah. uh, four teams at 18 points or three teams at 18 points. Um, it is a dogfight. All of a sudden, Udinese is playing like crap. Sassuolo Dionisio is on job alert. Uh, if he isn't, if he isn't gone already, um, it is a, I mean, Lecce and Frozen Under are coming back down to earth. It is a dogfight for this. So, the two, like the three, four teams in the middle there at the table, they're like, eh, no man's land. I mean, we're really 11th through 11 and 12. Honestly, the only team teams are like just a no man's land. 10th and above is fighting for Champions League spot. 13th and below is fighting for the survival. Um, this is a crazy season this year. Uh, CDK obviously haven't made it, making Serie A team of the week. Uh, but going to some of the news, like, you know, 
starting with Roma since you ended with them. You know, good performance by them. I think Pellegrini has really come alive the most of, of all the all the all the players on the team. Uh, well, it's because he's goals, playing. Goals, <laughs> yeah, goals in back-to-back <laughs> games, big goals for Roma. Um, you're seeing this fight from Roma, and they, you know, obviously get a two-nothing lead. Salernitana has played difficult to everybody. And they they made a goal in this game. They made it made it made a, a tight game at the end, but um, they're finding ways to win, and it's it's good to see. They need to get a roll. We talked about this when when De Rossi joined. They got a couple games where they should win. Get on a roll before you start getting the big big boys. I think Inter's next game what three two three weeks away. Uh, mm-hmm. So they got to get on a roll before they get to that game and find out who they are under De Rossi. And so getting back-to-back wins is a great way to start his tenure. Uh, fantastic there. Uh, moving on back uh, to Sunday. Um, a lot of penalties missed again this, this day. Um, starting with the, the, the Genoa matchup against Lecce. Lecce, I thought I had a good start to the game, but Genoa, they're finding ways to um, play sustained offense where they're coming at you in waves. Ecuban has really come alive along with, you know, before it was just Goodmanson and Retegui, and now Ecuban is up uh, getting lively. Um, they're getting good support there in the midfield. Yeah, they got Milanovski and some of these guys in the midfield who can really hunker it down, but the attackers are really stepping up at, at the right time. Uh, Lecce, they played them tough. They played them tough in the beginning, but it's Genoa. They don't want to go back down to City B. They, they've been there, done that. They don't want to go back again. Uh, and so I don't think they like, will at this point. Yeah, they're playing like a team that wants it more. Uh, and so they, a good win for them there. Hellas, Frozenone game was just a tough game to watch. Uh, you know, Tarati, I thought, again, he's going to be – he's going to find better better job somewhere soon because he's he's a quality goalkeeper, getting a lot of good stops. In the, um, good, getting a lot of good stops there. And Kyle George, I think, is slowly resurrecting his you know career – uh, being on loan there from Juventus and and Sule obviously is a hot commodity. He's doing very well at Frosinone. Uh, didn't get a goal in this one. Uh, and going back to Torino, good for them. Uh, the big thing with Torino, obviously they're they're playing more discipline, and so it's resulting in, in uh, points uh, that they can jump up into the table. But I think the big thing for them is on the road where they've seen the most struggles is. They relied so much on Dufan Zapata at home. But on the road, yep. he's been faltering. And finally, finally, he gets a goal uh, and, and, and ends his duck on the road. And, you know, this, this Torino team is playing much better than they were earlier in the year. Um, they got two really good strikers in Sanabria and Dufan Zapata, a, a solid goalkeeper in, in, in Milinkovic Savic. Uh, but, you know, these guys like, like Blahovic and Vlasic, no, Blahovic, uh, Vlasic and, uh, uh, and uh, who's the other? Um, Number 10, like his name is escaping me at the moment. Anyway, Torino play much better. Uh, yep. and good performance against them against Cagliari, who's been playing really tough lately. Going down 2 nothing really surprised me because Cagliari had, has been giving up a good fight against everybody. And, it may, and they don't let anyone take more than a one-goal lead on them. And so uh, to do that at Cagliari when they're honoring uh, Gigi Riva, it was uh, impressive performance for me in, uh, with Torino. So, you know, good on Juric to get, finally get his guys headed back in the right direction. So Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, for me, as I, as I scan through this, um, you know, uh, I, I really like how Roma are making strides here under Daniele De Rossi. It seems like there's a, a surge going forward. The schedule will get tougher a little bit later in the season. Lisi, uh, pointed that out to me, which I get, you know, but we'll see. But the, the nice thing is, is that you got a, a slate right now that you're going through that you can, 
establish the tactics. You can establish the way things are being done, get wins and build confidence. And then maybe it sets them up for those, for those games a little later on down the road. Cause yeah. um, I think that the, the squad at Roma is top four good. Um, it's just a matter of playing to the, you know, playing to the strengths of everybody and optimizing the strengths of everybody to get there. And that's why I picked them to finish fourth. And they got Cagliari this upcoming week. So it's another great opportunity to get another win, uh, get more confidence before they, they face Inter here in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, another great opportunity for them. The schedule yeah. favored them very well. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, they have a chance to really, you know, put a foothold on this thing. Um, you know, the, the, the relegation battle, I still hold out hope that Salernitana are eventually going to get this figured out and they better, but they're running out of time. Are they, um, are they playing the best of the relegation teams in a sense that every one of their games is competitive? They're not getting blown out. Uh, every game is a one goal loss. It seems like That's I think they're playing better than Udinese. Yeah. At times. Yeah. I mean, Udinese I, has I, you know, better I, I don't... players, but. It's hard to say Empoli um, that they're playing better than Empoli because I think Empoli has made some uh, made some 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 uh, some subtle improvements. Um, Sassuolo look lost. Yes. Uh, Lecce are starting to come down a little come down a little bit. Um, you know Verona, we're gonna see. I mean, they got rid of a lot of dudes, and now they they they've they've replenished with some other Eredivisie players and some unknowns and. Um, you know, we'll see if lightning strikes twice, you know, with that approach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but it's, 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 it's the thing that if you're a Salernitana supporter, it's just got to make you sick because your team's competing. You've got decent players. Just the results aren't coming in, but the nice, the redeeming thing is, is that they're with 16 games remaining. You're only six points out of six points away from safety, you know? And there's enough. There's enough in the team to get on a run. Um, so Beat we'll the see teams what around they do. you, and you have a chance. You know. Yeah, exactly. Beat the teams, and they just had to go through a very brutal run of fixtures here, yeah, yeah. where they should have gotten some points from some of these teams. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that we'll see how that continues to go. So I, I still think can't understand why people plays Broderich. Um, yeah. Doesn't have anybody else that could be. Maybe. That could be why, but. Um, but that's, that's still something to monitor. Um, you know, yeah. I'm not going to like go all in on them to, to crawl like I did with Hellas Verona. Last year, I looked at Hellas Verona and said, the talent is there. They're going to get out of this. Uh, this I is still... a tricky year. This is a tricky year for the relegation fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, uh, 14th to 19th is only four points of four points apart. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that that makes this that, that that makes this really interesting. Genoa has won. Genoa is on a seven match unbeaten run. Good for them. That may be one of the quietest seven matches unbeaten run. Seven it match is. unbeaten it runs. We've, you know, because you just don't notice it because they win. They, they they play so many tight games. Um, you know, and I think that 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 attributes it that attributes to it. Yeah. Um, Frozenone has gotten a couple of positive results to give themselves some breathing room. I still think long term there's some concerns, especially with the way they defend. So we'll see about this this relegation. And then Sassuolo, it's just been funky with them. I and mean, they've got a game in hand over everybody. Um, but yeah, this 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 bottom half is turning into something really really intriguing as we go. So thoughts on on Atalanta? They're currently in the fourth spot. They play at times, they're coming a lot alive in the sense that 
Well, CDK has found a new life there. Uh, he's playing much better. Everyone thought when he joined Milan that he was going to be this goal-scoring machine, but he seems to be a well-rounded player, meaning he gets goals and assists. He's not hes not yet clinical or um, has that touch in the, for scoring-wise, but assist-wise, he makes some really great passes. That assist off his chest to Skamaka was brilliant. Uh, he nearly found, uh, what's his name, home with a wonderful cross. It was a wonderful cross, a home win at side volley. Would have been one of the goal of the weeks there had they gone in. Great save by the keeper. Uh, but I think... Overall, Atalanta are playing a lot better. Can they? Are they the team that is in the in the pole position to claim that spot, or who do you who do you see really controlling that 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 position, or has the best chance? I should say. It gets nasty for them coming up. It we'll see what they're made of. We'll see what they're made of. Big time nasty for them coming up. Let me read you their fixtures. All right. Hosting Lazio at Genoa. Um. And then if we turn the page, then they host Sassuolo. They should be able to win there. They've been yeah. pretty successful against Sassuolo through the years. At Milan, at Inter, mm. hosting Bologna, at Juve, hosting Fiorentina, at Napoli. Oh, my gosh. That's their fixture list all the way to March 24th. Oh, my gosh. I don't That's, think they're fourth uh, for long. If they – so how many games How many games was that? Did you read there? How many games was that total? Uh, Six, seven games? Nine. Nine games. That's their next nine games. Nine. Okay, yeah. so maxi points is 27 points. If they get if they get 10 points from that from that run, I'd be impressed. I'm with you. I mean, that's... That's hard. That's a murderer's row. I mean, that's... I now, mean, if they come out 18-plus, look out. This is the team that's going to be fourth, no doubt about it. But, I mean, even, even 10 points, 10, 11 points... They could still be uh, control their own destiny, but that is a that is a tough slate. That's as tough as it gets. Um, yeah, ten points is gonna be difficult. I think eight of the nine teams that they play are in the top eleven. Yeah, um, it's just <laughs> that's, that's that is a uh, that is a vicious vicious. I don't did once again. Uh, Gasparini probably pissed off the people at Lega City yeah, and this was their subtle way dancing of around. Happen. Yeah, just waiting a little bit. To, yeah, we're gonna let you. Accumulate some points, but we're going to give you this. We're going to give you this fixture list, and it's kind of funny because it's like we. It's almost like known that there may be the eighth or ninth team out of this conversation of teams that you know. You got the teams that are in Europe. You've got Juve who had to sit out of Europe on this one. So it's like they purposely said, "Well, you know, all of these other teams are going to be having to play every three days. So we're going to just stick Atalanta during that time with the toughest possible fixture list we can give them. But it also goes to say, show the quality of the league when you have that many games and they're all tough, right? The mm-hmm. seven sisters are no longer seven sisters. They're now up to maybe nine sisters. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a lot of good teams, a lot of shit teams, obviously, we, as we see. But there's a lot of good teams at the top. And so, like, it used to be like, hey, you, once you get past, you know, maybe five of the seven sisters, you'd be okay for the rest of the season. You know, you, you got you know, 15 other teams that you can relax on. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. You got to bring your game every week. And even these, these relegation teams, Salernitana, they, they, they scratch and crawl, trying to get results out, um, make it difficult, make life difficult. You know, I mean, look at uh, look at uh, Juventus and Empoli. Yeah, they had a red card, so they're man down. But Empoli turned it on in the second half and really made it difficult for Juventus. And so... This league isn't as easy as it used to be. Um, I know they always say we should cut it down to 18 teams, but um, I, I don't know if that would help or not, but I think there's so much quality at the top. 
it's it's good to see it's a parody it's not quite parody but it's the talent has risen in the league for sure uh, very they're so, much they're so the elite but then there's a lot of good teams behind them you know obviously with fiorentina going deep in and european competition roma going deep uh the league is strong it's in a good place yeah i, I completely agree so not financially but everything else sure sure <laughs> most definitely um you know so that's that's the question so atalanta hold the position now but i think we're gonna i i, I can comfortably say there and we're gonna get when we when we're at March twenty fourth, when those when we're past those games, I would have them sixth or seventh, you know, with a chance to work their way back up. Um, but man, that's gonna be that's gonna be a chore for them to get through. You know what else is March twenty fourth? Episode three hundred of Serie A sit down. Yes, let's put it out there. Yes. Episode 300 of Serie A Sit Down Sunday, March It may be an extended 24th. episode with many guests. That's the yes. plan. We'll see. We're going to we're we're not going to really talk a lot of calcio, calcio on our 300. We're just going to have a big celebration. Unless so. Atalanta have won 20, got 27 points, and then we really will talk about them. <laughs> we might have to have like our first guest be an Atalanta guy just to do it. Right. So okay, I liked it. So yeah, so so we'll see. Um, but I, I'm 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 pretty comfortable that they're not going to go 27 for 27 in that slate. You know, That'd be something. that's. What would you the know, league look like if they did that? Oh, it 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 would be up for grabs, and you would have to all of a sudden make them a contender for, for this. Consider them a contender for the Scudetto with what they're going to have on the back end to play against for the rest of the yeah. you know for the rest of the way. It's going to be it's going to be cake, um, you know. Except for Roma, they'll have to see them again. So yeah, um, so we'll see. Um, you know, I think that they've benefited from a breezy slate here over the last few weeks, but it's not going to be so breezy anymore. Now is really where they're going to have to knuckle up. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, we, we talked about the subtleties with Lazio. We talked about Fiorentina, Napoli, Bologna. Um, there's, and Torino's right there. I mean, outside chance. But we know all this is all going to end. They're going to be mid-table. I, I, people are joking about it all. It's like, no matter what Torino does, no matter what kind of form they're in, they're always in 10th. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> Denny yeah. Green. So, so definitely. Uh, goals of the week? Goals of the week, and then we'll get into the derby, I guess. Um, goals of the week, I, I found good goals hard to come by this, mm. this week. Um, it was so rough. For me, uh, I'll give my honorable mention. Honorable mention, I'm going to go Skorupski's penalty kick to save. Um, the first one, Giroud, obviously. It was a poor penalty. Viola's I mean, curler. Summer, summer, summer didn't make your list? Uh, we're, we're getting there. We'll get there. Uh, that's an honorable <laughs> mention. Uh, another honorable mention, I'm going to go Viola curler because I'm going to give love to the goalies this, this round. Uh, okay. Number five for me. I'm going actually a goal, the only goal in my top my top five. Uh, maybe actually that's that's a lie. But uh, number five for me, Retegi off the off the Goodmanson free kick off the crossbar. Wonderful free kick by Goodmanson and Retegi just being heads up there. It's more about the the free kick than it was the header. Or was, no, that was Ekiban's goal, wasn't it? No, no, Ekiban had a side volley later. I had, I had we'll, get to, we'll oh, get to that's, Ekiban. That's, that's what I got. Okay. Number four, I'm going Torati's penalty kick save. Uh, really big save in that game, which. Uh, Ended up being, uh, you know, crucial for them because they could have lost that game had that, goal, that ball go in. It could have changed the turn the game. Number three for me, Sommer kind of making up for his mistake with the penalty, getting the save in that game, uh, allowing Inter to win one nothing in that game because it was a late penalty there. So Sommer gets number three for me. Number two for me, Martinez for Genoa with a big save there. Allowed them to get the three points in that game. Uh, so he's number two. The number one for me, sticking with Genoa, Ekuban's side volley I thought was wonderfully done, wonderfully taken by him. Again, I say kudos with him about, you know, when we talked about Genoa earlier, but that side volley was a, a, a perfect example of the, how good he stepped up in this in this team and uh, 
guess my, that's my, guess my goal of the week. Okay. Um, for me, it's all goals. Uh, Lotaro's goal for me is fifth. Um, I, I mean, it's a difficult technique. I mean, it's a, it's a driven corner. It's a great corner by Aslani. You know, all Lotaro has to do is glance it. And, and for something so simple, it's still from a difficult angle. It's a good finish. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll go with Loftus Cheek's first goal at number four. I thought it was a very nice team goal. Uh, you know, finding the killer pass to play Calabria in for him to cross it, uh, and for uh, Loftus Cheek to finish it. Uh, Baldanzi's equalizer in his last goal for Empoli. It seems uh, he's third um, uh, to uh, earn the point against Juventus. Uh, the side vol- volley for Ekuban is second for me, and uh, Nicolas Viola's goal is the goal of the week for me. Uh, so. Um, yeah, no goalies for me on this list, although there were very good goalkeeper performances and, you know, chief among them, uh, you know, uh, Milinkovic Savic to preserve a victory, yeah. uh, for Tonino and then Okoye to preserve an ass kicking or to avoid an ass kicking, <laughs> uh, and, and, and keep the scoreline against Atalanta respectable. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's that, uh, so we're getting reports, we're getting reports that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is having conversations with Antonio Conte, um, making further suggestions that this will be Stefano Pioli's final season at Milan, um, and that conversations are being had uh, that could potentially bring Antonio Conte uh, to the San Siro for the 24-25 season. Um, I, for one, hope it doesn't happen. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, I think that... Milan would be signing on for a short-term thrill uh, that would set themselves up for potentially long-term damage. Um, you take a look at Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, they haven't been right since Conte was there. Chelsea went through some suffering, at least for a little bit, um, you know, without, you know, once Conte left until uh, Thomas Tuchel at some point down the road came on board and brought them a Champions League. Um, so uh, the only way, the only place where a successor worked um was um, uh, Inter, and that was only because they had the squad that was perfectly set up for someone like Simone Inzaghi to come in and employ his tactics. Uh, so um, I am not on board with this. I think that there are options that would be better off for the long-term health of uh, Milan. Uh, where do you sit on this one? Allegri, uh, Eduardo says Allegri news, so isn't it a high chance of Conte going to Milan? Um, where do I sit? Uh, well, let's assume that this rumor is true. Uh, so where do I sit on it? I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm with you. You know, Conte is a serial winner. However, the baggage he brings with him, I'm not prepared for. I don't. I don't necessarily want to win at all costs and then ruin the team. But that Maldini built basically. Uh, we, it's still there. Uh, yeah, you know, Cardinale and company uh, kind of got this new team there, but it, this is all started with Baldini when he began to get us out of the banter era. And I think if you go to Conte, we know Conte. He wants money. He wants to buy his players to match his system. And, you know, we're, we just, we're just now being financially stable again. Uh, and who knows to say, who's to say how long Cardinale is going to be there. We'll we get uh, piff money or who knows what the hell's going to happen, you know, if there's a sale or anything, but uh, just what he brings. Yeah. We know he's going to bring, he's going to bring wins. He's bring headaches, but I don't like the fact, I, I think what they're building now is really special. It could get better, obviously with the, with the right signings. I think a pl- uh, manager like Conte will bring 
big name players, which is not a bad thing, but I think it just throws everything off so much so that it it would make the team. He's a short term. It's a short term lease, like you like you said, max three years if it go goes really well, like at Juventus. But pretty much it's going to be one to two years, as we've seen everywhere else. And so it's for a short term fix. I'm not on board for that because they could. It could be catastrophic on the back end. You know, Inter got Inter got lucky because they got set up perfectly for Zaghi. But who's to say that we don't know this ownership group yet? And so we don't know who's to say they're going to get a, a good pick on the back end. Um, is it are they going to be a fa- so financially unstable that they're going to fold or, or, or lose money or go back into another banter era? Who knows? There's so many unpredictability there. And yes, it's football. Everything's unpredictable. But I personally don't want to see it. I like Conte. I think he's a fantastic manager. I just don't want to see him at our club. Agree. I like the manager. Don't get me wrong. Don't like the fit. Um, you know, I think they need to be true to what's available to them from a personnel standpoint. I think that, you know, and the Europe thing too, like he's never been good in Europe. You know, that's another yeah. thing too. They're probably in the end, not going to get a shot at them, but they should at least make a call to gauge the interest of Xabi Alonso. I think Xabi Alonso is going to go to something even bigger. Liverpool. He's probably going to go to Liverpool, in my opinion. Liverpool. I even, I even say Barcelona doesn't play for him. Um, sure, sure. You know, with Xavi leaving at the end of the season, so you got to consider that it's going to be really hard to get the Serbi back because the Serbi is now being considered for some of these bigger jobs as well. Um, you know, there's, you know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do if they do a managerial change, and then you also have to understand where the players are coming from because, you know, these players have come out and spoken in support of Pioli. You know, Teo was. Teo, Teo went to the papers after the win over Roma and said it. Yep. Giroud said it. Um, you know, basically said, hey, when, when Milan were going through the tough period, and, you know, Giroud, Giroud told Pioli, hey, you can come and talk to me. I had to go through this a lot when I was playing in particular for Chelsea. Um, you know, so, you know, he, you know, I get it. So if you ever want to talk about it. So, I mean, there's, there's a respect for Pioli that the players have. And that's another thing that, Milan management are going to have to wrestle with as they make this decision. So, um, I thoughts on that. I mean, it, you know, I, I still it's a it's a. I'm just going to say it's going to be a real small percentage chance that Pioli remains manager next season. I don't think it'll happen. I think that they're going to move on. Um, but one of the He'd things have to they win had Europa to do, League for him to stay. I think so. Yeah. So because I don't think that they're going to with the form that Inter and Juventus are win. And, and finding ways to win against the teams that they're supposed to beat and getting enough wins around the better teams. You know, I, I just, I don't see them dropping enough points for me, either of the, both of them dropping enough points for Milan to get back into the Scudetto conversation. Um, so it, it comes down to, can they win the Europa League? That's probably the last realistic chance at silverware this season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think, you know, we made our thoughts fairly clear on whether we would, if this was true, if we want them or not, and obviously it's not. Now, the question is, how true do you think, on a scale of 1 to 10, it came from Moblano, Moblano, and no disrespect to him, but, you know, everyone likes to point out online, when's the last thing he got something right? Ronaldo to Juventus. How many years ago was that? Right? So it's just like shooting, shooting you know, shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. So how, how credible is this? So for me, my question to you is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how likely is it for Conte to come to Milan? Because what you're hearing, a lot of what you're hearing is that it's Zlatan going out there. It's Zlatan who made the signage. It's Zlatan doing this. It's like, 
from what I understand of what Zlatan's role is, this has nothing to do in his in his uh, in his his task list. So sure. it seemed all bullshit to me. But what what is your thought on a scale of one to ten? Zero being unlikely, ten being likely of him joining Milan. Three rumors. Three. Three tops. I mean, I I I, I you know I think it's a fantasy. Um, you know, and I think that there's going to be actually there might even be other jobs that appeal to Conte. They Conte might want to go to Napoli. You know, um, you know that could be another consideration. I mean, you see Napoli playing a three-man defense <laughs> against Lazio this weekend. Is that a precursor? Um, <laughs> you know, is that foreshadowing? Because that's what Conte prefers to play. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, 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 I just I find it. I find this sensational. I just find it fantasy. I don't think that that Conte's coming in. And if he does, I'd, I'd be disappointed. I would be more disappointed with the appointment than it. You know, I, I, I want long-term stability yeah. that as a, as, as a path to winning multiple trophies over a long period of time. I don't want the cheap thrill of winning one trophy in one competition and then he's gone after two years because he has a hissy fit over transfers. Yeah. So, you know, that's just where I'm at. Based on where the reports are coming from thus far yeah mm-hmm. i'm at a two or three right now i i, I i'm not gonna believe anything uh we we, we tend to we're, it's rare for us to believe anything until we see someone hold the jersey or be, be there at the signing but just looking at the credibility of the people who who are are their sources where all these reports are coming from I, i'm not they're believing now other bigger name uh reporters and journalists and other people start picking it up okay uh, you'll start having me believe but and right now i think like I think Apex said in the chat, is, Serie A is struggling financially, so there's very few teams that can support this. You're more, he's more likely to go like to a. I'd be curious to see if he went to like a Barcelona or something like that, somewhere in, uh, in in La Liga, or went to uh, one of the clubs that has a lot of money, whether it's an English team or maybe uh, the PSGs of the world. If they you know they don't uh, get the results that they want, um, I just don't see it at the moment. I don't. Uh, and I don't either. And the fact that you're saying that Zlatan's the one doing all this and signing him, I'm like. That makes it very unbelievable for me at the moment. But, you know, things could change, and we could be proven wrong, and that's fine. But I, I don't see it right now. I think it's all it's all just bullshit and people blowing smoke up people's asses, honestly. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Zlatan could have a conversation with me. Are we, are we talking about me being the next manager for Milan? But they're acting I mean, like he signed it. They're like, Zlatan signed Conte, and he you know signed a contract, and they're like, he has, doesn't have those powers. He can talk no, to he them, doesn't. for sure. He doesn't. He's... I think he's just in a really glorified consulting role. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that that's what is, but he's not making the executive decisions. Um, you know, he's, but he's making a lot of suggestions and he's offering a lot of input. Um, you know, but, it, you know, having a couple of conversations with Conte doesn't mean we should sensation, you know, get to that point. Yeah. But we, what we can talk is about two places where Conte used to be employed because oh. they're going to face each other on Sunday. Um, yeah. You see how I did that segue? I like that. I like that. Um, Very good. Derby d'Italia taking place on Sunday. We have Inter and Juventus. Um, just to give everybody kind of a flavor of this one, the betting markets have Inter actually as a minus 120 favorite. Um, and Juventus as a plus 350 underdog. Hmm. Um, so the public is pretty aggressive about Inter uh winning this game from the sounds of it at least by the standards of these of the quality of these two teams i thought that might have been a little bit i thought that might have even been a little bit tighter than that but 
here we are. Um, but some of the other odds here, uh, over two and a half goals is at plus 120, which I think is very believable. I do not think there'll be over two and a half goals in this game. Um, I think they'll be, I think that will be under, um, you know, uh, the one thing that I'll tell you, Richard, is that if you're watching this game, looking for a festival of attacking football, you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a 90 minute tactical chess match, uh, and a rock fight to boot. Um, it's yeah. for the top spot in, in Serie A. And even if it was, even, even if it wasn't for the top spot in Serie A, this is just how these two teams play. Yeah. Yeah, another game against each other. Fabio Maresca is the referee in this one. Uh, so it's an interesting decision there. I don't know if he's... I would do that, but I mean... Penalty yeah. to Juve. <laughs> oh, wait. As the, Juve. as the meme goes. As the meme goes. Mm -hmm. It's a Giuseppe Miazza. I can't wait for the Tifo. It's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, this is going to be a super entertaining game. It's going to be a defensive chess match. I'm hoping it's a good defensive chess match. We've seen in these big games where it's it's defensive but it's not necessarily good we've also seen where it has been good and i'm hoping we see that you know that it is good it's an interesting game um i i see i i understand why you inter are the favorites of the best team in the league well the best team in sure the they're great at home but juve's come on of late um it's it's an intriguing matchup you got two teams who love to play the counter-attack two teams are very good very clinical uh lately on the counter-attack both teams have stellar defenses their midfields are strong I'd give the nod to Inter in terms of the midfield strength, but you know what Juve, way Allegri setting them up, they're no, they're no, they're not shabby at all. You look what they're doing in the league. It's so, it's so tight in this league in this game. Uh, goalkeepers are fairly much a wash. It's a wash all day round. Everything points to a draw. Two and a half goals. Yeah, I would love to see it. You know, maybe if this is the '90s, you're looking at easily over two and a half, but. Early 2000s, let's just say, maybe not the 90s, but um, yeah, I, I see one-one in this game. I, I do. Um, I just think no matter who gets the early goal in that game, both teams are good enough to come back. The tactics in this is going to say strong defensive game. It's going to be very cagey. I mean, I'd I'd be surprised if you see a goal in an early part of the game unless there was a big mistake that happens. Um, so yeah, it, this is going to be a, a a rock fight, an entertaining one. But a rock fight nonetheless. I mean, who you got in this game? I think there's going to be one goal in this game. Cortumus. And I think the circumstances... <laughs> I think the circumstances with which that goal come comes from are going to be odd because I think both yeah. of these teams are going to play very compact. They're going to suffocate the chances that the forwards can get because the forwards are the most dangerous attacking components of each of these teams. And I think yeah. both teams are going to be very prepared for that. And I think they're going to cancel that out. So this is going to come down to your point, the midfield that's going to be capable of imposing their will. Um, you know, with Juventus, it's Rabio. Um, with Inter, it's Barella. It's going to come down to, to me, one of those two guys. Um, I think that, you know, and you could even make the comment for Mkhitaryan because I think Inter are going to set up to let Juve have the ball and try to hit them on the counterattack, which means this could be a classic Mkhitaryan game yeah. where he scores. Um, you know, it will be um, uh, the extra game, two-point lead. I don't know the, the extra game. I think what's critical here is that Nicolo Barella and Hakan Chalinolu are on a week's rest. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They didn't play uh, at Fiorentina, um, and they have had all. They have had the extra week to uh, be match ready to play Juve. That's that matters. Those are fine yeah. details that matter. I think that matters more than you know the two point lead or, or being at home. I think if this was at the end of the season and Juve needed to, they needed to you know get three points to catch up to to Inter. I can see a more open game, Inter going balls to the wall trying to get it. But I think Allegri would be more than happy to get a draw in this game. Uh, oh, sure he would. So it's not going to bother him in the slide. I think he's set up his normal way. Both teams are trying to give the ball away. I would imagine Allegri would be the, the victor in that in the sense that he's going to give the ball away more so than, than Inzaghi will. Uh, Inter looked better with the ball anyway, uh, more so than Juventus. But look, look at the last five games. Not Never had two more than two and a half goals. It's been 2-0 two, two to Juventus in November 22. In uh, March 23, 1-0 to Juventus, and then a draw, win for Inter, and another draw. So it's been tight. And so history tells you you're not going to have more than two goals in this game. So. DeMarco also on a, on a week's rest, and as well as Dumfries starting as well. I think that, yeah, to that point, Inter, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, but to, you know, to be fair, Juventus, Juventus are going to have a week from the 1-1 draw where they were playing with 10 men to freshen up and be prepared for this match. Um, but... Those are some things that you you definitely have to consider. Um, I think it's a one nil win for Inter. I'm going to give them the win. Okay. I'm going to go one nil. I'm going to give the goal. Uh, let's give it to Mkhitaryan. Okay. I think that Bremer is going to have a fantastic game. I think he's going to do a good job uh, working hard to try to uh, give cover, uh, help defend Lautaro and Turam. I think the back three for Juventus is going to be able to absorb the front two for Inter. Um, much like I think that the back three for Inter are going to absorb Vlaovic. They're going to be compact. They're going to try to make him a non-factor. Um, and they're going to say, all right, beat us from wide areas, beat us from distance. We've got the goalkeeper that can make those saves. We're fine with that. And then I think it's going to be a counterattacking situation, and it's going to be a classic one where someone of Mkhitaryan's quality trails the play and scores the goal, and Inter rides the game out, gets a 1-0 win. Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if Fratesi is coming off the bench and, and does something like that, too. It could be Fratesi, too. Exactly. I, you know, I, and don't get me wrong. I think Inter are the better, best team in the league. I think they're the best team in the league, and I think they're the better team between these two teams. However, it's Allegri, and he knows how to play uh, Inter. He knows how to play in these big games. Um, he's found it. He's found his old magic back again mm-hmm. in terms of mixing defense and adding and sprinkling a little bit of offense. So he's going to have this team ready. That's what yep. that's is nothing to do with Inter. I think Inter are, are top notch. They're, they're gonna be ready. I think Juve are too, and that's that's where it's like, when I when, as you always say, when you can't figure it out in your mind, it goes back and forth. It's a draw. In somebody head, it's a draw. It just these games always find a way to to, to be corto muso as uh, as the saying the saying goes. So, <laughs> I, I do remember Eduardo. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Sure. played at Parma. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we're, we're we're dating ourselves here. Yep. On this podcast. <laughs> yep, that is absolutely true. Um, okay, so that's where we're at on the Inter Juve game. It's going to be a hell of a game. Um, you know, incidents are not going to be, especially attacking incidents, are not going to be as frequent as you're going to like. But enjoy the drama and enjoy the 90 minutes because it's going to be a hell of a fight. Yeah. Um, let's uh, slide into the uh, DMs, uh, no. transfer discussion right. here. Uh, before we uh, go to Who Won Calcio Twitter. Um, So, uh, Verona are making some moves. Uh, uh, 
they and Andre will we'll get through some of these real quick. Um, it looks like uh, Andre Oliveira uh, Silva he's headed to Verona from Vitoria Guimarães, which is a, a Portuguese side. We've not heard of him, uh, much like we haven't heard of anybody that Hellas Verona has signed. We're just going to have to see him play. Yeah. Um, uh, Udinese are in talks to bring Nicolas Valentini in from Boca Juniors. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, Milan are looking to bring uh, the form. Oh, no, actually, uh, former Milan winger uh, Capone going to uh, uh, Pescara. Uh, so we don't, you know, who cares? Uh, Yerry Mina is going to Cagliari uh, to try to help bolster that defense and get his really get his career back on track. Yeah. Um, it's been some struggles for him here down the stretch. Um, uh, let's see here. Moving down the list. Um, a meeting is going to be expected between Juventus and Felipe Anderson's uh, sister agent. Uh, looking at Felipe Anderson potentially on a free to the old lady. So that's one worth keeping oh. an eye on. Um, uh, Zeki Celik is leaving Olympique Marseille. A lot of this, you know, he's or he's, he's headed to Olympique Marseille from Roma. A lot of this having to do um, with uh, Roma bringing in Angelino um, yeah, from Galatasaray on loan. So, yeah. uh, so we saw that happen. Quadratelia's agent uh, said to Emedi TV that there are no talks ongoing for the contract extension. No serious talks currently with Napoli for the renewal. That's concerning. Um, hate to hate to lose him from the league. Uh, yeah. Matteo Lovato headed to Torino from Salernitana on loan. Uh, let's see here. Moving further down, uh, getting into uh, some of the other conversations, some of the bigger news. Um, we have Andrea Bolotti going to on loan to Fiorentina from Roma. Yeah. Uh, and we also have, uh, as we were mentioning, Tommaso Baldanzi is headed to Roma from Empoli uh, for $15 million, I believe, which I think would be a bargain um, based on uh, Baldanzi. It's going to be an 18-month loan with an obligation to buy, and Empoli is going to receive $15 million for that. And Baldanzi will be sell- signing a contract until 2028. Good for him. Let's start with Baldanzi on this because I think that this brings much needed added creativity to Roma's midfield. I think Bove is kind of morphing more into more of a box-to-box battler. You know, not a guy that I would call on for creativity. You've got Pellegrini there, but Baldanzi adds to that in the midfield for Roma. And I think it's a a player who who has characteristics that Roma need, especially with the way Daniele De Rossi is approaching this. Yeah, and I think I think the hope is that Baldanzi will eventually be the heir to Paulo Dybala um, in the creativity department. So I love the signing, uh, both for the player and for the team. I think this is uh, exactly what both both parties need. Baldanzi is uh, well, a, a lovely young Italian player. Uh, can get it done. He obviously scored a big goal against Juventus, so he can play in these big games. Not afraid of the limelight. Playing in Rome will be a little bit different for him, for sure. But I think this is a great place to be. He has great, talented players around him where he can learn the craft even better. Yeah, he's good. He's raw, though, and he needs to learn the nuances of the game. And to be able to witness Pellegrini and, and Paolo Dybala and even Lukaku to an extent with his, his scoring ability will go a long way for this player. And even El Sharawi, El Sharawi, you know, is, you know, is great at making those runs and, and good footwork. And so this is a great learning place for, for Bandanzi, and he can – 
um, contribute to the team immediately. We all, obviously he can t- he, he's had a fantastic year this year with uh, Empoli. And so yeah, I love this. I love this signing. There's Vincent. Yep. He, he heard he heard uh, he heard about Danzi's name. He's like, whoop, there I am. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and then uh, a, uh, a a very big mo- another you know Belotti going to Fiorentina. You know another striker. Um, Cabral struggling for goals and Zola, it's not gone as it's not totally gone to plan. Uh, so now you get, uh, you get Belotti into the mix over there. You know, boy, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Belotti was worth a hundred million. Um, (laughs) and now it's just, it's, it's gone downhill since then. Um, this is, I think this is last, unfortunately for Il Gallo, this is last chance saloon. And it might be a, a, hopefully... Vincenzo Italiano is the guy for as long as hopefully you know he's there long enough, but definitely for this season, it's a good manager for Belotti because he he knows how to put strikers in a good position. Unfortunately, the last couple strikers they had have not been able to do that. It's you know Vlahovic, you know, obviously had what 19 goals in first half of the season under uh, Vincenzo Italiano, and Piantic he had some goals there, and, and before him uh, there, were, who the hell is the striker before uh, Vlahovic? Anyway. I think it's a good place for Belotti, um, but it is his last chance. If he can't figure it out here on loan, you know the hope is that he does well, and then they maybe pick him up on. A, I don't know if there's an option to buy or not, but you know he needs to, he needs to resurrect his career. It, it it was a flash in the pan. What it more than looks like, well, it is what it is. Uh, he's definitely a flash in the pan, and so he's got he's got the trade, the, the characteristic, the the, the skill set. But he just can't put it together consistently since that first season where he scored 26 goals or 29 goals, whatever it was. It just, uh, yes, I know the defenses pick up on your on your strengths, and he hasn't been able to adapt to it. We talked about that with uh, Cavara and and Leao, how you know the first year they're good, and then the next year the, the defenses hone in on them, and you have to adjust to make it make yourself better. He didn't really do that. Defenses you know, figured out how to stop him, and he just obviously injuries happened as well. I feel for the guy because we both liked him. We, you know, we were. I remember. I remember many years ago when we talked about is he world class or is he a flash in the pan. Um, and it's sad to see that this is where we're at with him because we had high hopes with the Azuri as well. You know, the Azuri are craving for a number nine who can lead them, and they haven't had, found that yet. And so it'd be it'd be really nice. If you, you know, Giacomo Bonaventura kind of resurrected his career at Fiorentina. Hopefully, Belotti can do the same thing in his you know six month spell there. We'll see. Um, I'm hopeful that he he does find a way to get the back on that. But uh, I, yeah, like you said, last chance saloon possibly. Yep. Uh, how about Alcaraz going to Juventus from uh, Southampton? You're a Southampton guy. Um, uh, interesting move for Alcaraz. Yeah, I mean he's been he's a talented player. Um, he's good on FM Football Manager if that makes any if it makes any cares about that, but. No, he's uh he's a decent player, young, a lot of potential. You know, the reason he left Southampton, no, it's not because they're in the second division. It's because he wasn't getting playing time. You know, Southampton, mm-hmm. uh, there are there are talent factory over there, and so they he just wasn't getting enough pitch time. And for someone of his skill set and his potential, he needs to get pitch time as any youngster sure. would, right? And so the thought is he'll go to Juventus and and get more opportunity there. We'll see. I mean, he'll be coming off the bench unless he like wows, you know, Allegri. And you know how Allegri is with new people. It's going to be slow integration there, but at least he'll get on the pitch there, I would imagine, versus, you know, at Southampton, he didn't get the opportunity. So, decent player. Um, from what I've read on him, I haven't watched much of the um, championship this year. I've watched games here and there, and he, he didn't play in those games. But the, the, the reports are saying that, you know, he's got, he, he's got good vision, uh, got good work rate, 
really good on the ball. We'll see what he can do for, for Juventus. Um, and can he, you know, help them out in any in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, interesting signing. They paid, what, $35 million for him or something like that? How about, yeah, and how about, um, uh, they didn't pay much. They, they got him on the cheap, so we'll see. Oh, okay, maybe it was 15 or something like that. Yeah. More um, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. How about Salernitana dusting off Jerome Boateng? Someone said it to me, and I was like, I thought it was a joke. Like, yeah, Jerome Boateng um, is not the answer. He is like Fabio at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is. He slipped. He's never been the same since Messi embarrassed him in Champions League. Honestly, <laughs> he's had a sharp decline afterwards. You know, the guy had a stellar career. He did, but he's on the back end now, um, and he's had his last couple stops have not also fared well for him. I, I don't. I don't see this as. I mean, he'll start obviously because he's a big name for them, um, but I, I, I honestly don't think he's gonna help Salernitana much. Achoa was a fantastic signing for them. He made instant contributions to them, Kandreva as well. But you know, it'll be like it'll be like Simi in a way, where it's a guy who we we, we a known commodity for us at least, but not going to really contribute to the team. Yep. Um, some other notable notable that might not you know move the needle for for most, but uh, by Yang is back in City. Ah, he's joining Empoli. I heard that. That's interesting. Interesting. I mean. I mean I don't I don't expect much from him, but it's good to see an old face, um, and hopefully you know he can help. Hopefully, especially with you know they they're losing Baldanzi. Hopefully, Nian can slide in there and kind of help pick up some of the weight that Baldanzi's leaving with. So that's an interesting signing there. Yeah, different player, but certainly not out of the question. So, um, I think we covered everybody. There's talk that Vitinha leaving uh, Marseille to go to Genoa. Um, yeah, Genoa's. Genoa is up to something over there, so uh, we'll have to monitor it and keep our eyes on it. So uh, I agree with Vincent. This was a more active Syria January window than we normally see. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, I was surprised to see some of the names that that happened um, and moves. Some of the moves that happened. You know, Hamitrieri obviously going to Napoli on loan. Um, yeah. A lot of deals at the last minute fell through. The Kane deal to Atleti fell through. The Sensi deal. Uh, fell through also last minute as well as well as the morale uh, to Milan fell through so you know it's still another day to go we know how we know how Italy works it'll probably go until two more days after that somehow uh, but uh, I don't think we're done no you know we, we, we certainly may not be so uh, so we'll have to just kind of we'll have to see what goes on here so um, deadline day might bring some more surprises. Uh, one, another one to keep an eye out on is Goodmundson. Fiorentina is aggressively trying to bring him on board. They tried a 20 million, uh, Euro deal. General rejected that. They're now trying to come back for believed anywhere from 25 to 30. So we'll see, you know, if that one, uh, makes its way through. Cause you can imagine if Fiorentina, you get Belotti up front, you get Goodmundson in the fold with that team and you've got Nico on the other side, you suddenly have a pretty potent attack. You, you have a yourself a pretty potent front three so we'll see if that we'll monitor that we'll see if that happens before the deadline hits um and then uh you know just see some of the other stuff i mean by all intents and purposes it seems like the two milan clubs are going to just stay quiet lazio is going to stay quiet bologna doesn't seem like they're going to do anything to bolster uh that they're happy with the squad that they've got so um i don't anticipate any last minute activity from any of them so um so that's the transfer roundup it was an exciting window as as 
by as January windows go for Serie A. Um, we'll see what that means and if these players can uh, help their respective clubs re- achieve their ambitions. So uh, with that, uh, we move on to the world's most popular hashtag game. It is now time for Who Won Calcio Twitter. All right, so we're going to start things off with uh, Lemon Tommy, uh, Nel Fratempo, and here's a video here. That's it. That's it. trying. trying to bring the noise, and Inzaghi's not having any of it, huh? None of it. None of it. Not too bad. That's that to give some creativity there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Apex nominated uh, at Hakan Roll. Statement from the Italian Referee Association. Livio Marinelli during the Juve match. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Robbers chasing the the cops, chasing the robbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) All right. All right. Moving on. Uh, Sticking with the Derby Italia theme comes from Dom Apuzzo, and it's uh, Inzaghi right now. Should I run for it? So the original tweet was. Uh, Allegri uh, was quoted as saying, if there is someone in front of there, uh, wait, if there is someone in front, there is someone behind chasing, like in Cops and Robbers, the thieves run and the guards chase. And then, so the tweet was, <laughs> should I run for it? <laughs> <laughs> Fat team. <tea. laughs> My goodness. Oh. All right. Uh, uh, big show. Uh, basically reacting to the Carlos Alcaraz signing uh, by saying Juventus thought his name was Alcatraz and signed him. <laughs> That's funny. Zing. Zing. All right, moving on. Um, this one comes from Corporate Whipple, and it's uh, Boateng coming, Boateng and coming. So it's, everything you see is a place of prosperity. But what's that shadowy place over there? That's how many times where the old players got to retire. <laughs> Ah, this like is it. nice. This is like nice, it. and he and he nominated himself. Captain Whipple did. Hey, you, someone's got to do it. It does. Yeah. We don't know about it until it happens, right? Yep. So that's fine. Um, okay, so finally, uh, at City English, uh, this is a Who on Calcio Twitter nominee. Serial uh, Ngonja's first steps on the pitch as an SSC as a Napoli player. Will he repeat the goal-scoring antics he showed at Hellas Verona with his new club? And then the following comment was, oops, we misspelled Serial. This is, and this is more not funny by them. This is, this is embarrassing because this is Lega Serie A's Twitter account, and they consistently mess up in the English. They're like, they're using Google Translate or whatever. They, they, they should hire someone who speaks English and to yep. do these things. So they misspell constantly there. It's not just a one-off. This happens all the time with Liga Serie A. It's like mm. you're making you – do, you do all these great things, great vignettes and videos and stuff like that, and then you do stupid shit like this. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, come on. It's a joke. I think it's the Lion King meme for me for uh, – I'm with you. The winner. All I'm right. I'm with you. That's so, a no-brainer for me. Easy peasy. I'll go ahead and uh, – I'll go ahead and uh, give that one the win and uh, give you a chance to speak to the people. All right. Looking at some of the tweets here that uh, happened. Um, Eduardo says, Sensi deal fell. Talk about karma. Make fun. Oh, that's what uh, I'm way past that. Uh, look, let's see. Let's see. Um, what is it saying? Uh, oh, I assumed it way too high. Here we go. Um, Dominic says, Milan shipping out the youth team on loan. Ahmed, fact checker, says Sensi deal hasn't followed through yet. Thank you, Ahmed. 
Uh, it says uh, they are exchanging documents. Oh god, this is this said yeah, so it could take until end of Jan or end of February before the the paperwork gets sent there officially. Um, yeah, I got really, I got really nothing. Oh, I do got one thing. Uh, Derby d'Italia is obviously this weekend. Uh, so it's a big game. It's a big implications on the Serie A race. So let's just do a watch along. Frank, I don't think you're available, but I will do nonetheless a watch along yep. of Juventus Inter or Inter. Juventus at Inter, I should say. So watch long on Saturday. Please join us for the game as we watch uh, a rock fight, uh, entertaining one nonetheless. Big game, yep. but we will do the we will be doing the watch long then. Yep, I will. Uh, I will. I will be. Uh, I, I have prior. I have prior commitments that that they're going to keep me from being able to commit to a watch along. But I'll certainly. You pay your uh, phone bill. Oh wait, that's me. No, that was you. So. <laughs> Uh, I've got some volunteer, I've got some volunteer responsibilities at my kid's school, unfortunately. So I'm going to have the game on, uh, my phone while that happens. So (laughs) while I'm serving popcorn to people watching eighth grade basketball, that's my, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my, 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 my volunteer responsibility. So right on. All right. Well, with this edition, we're going to put a bow or with this edition wrapping up, we'll put a bow on city. I'll sit down for another week. Um, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundClouds. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Serie A Sit Down at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or X, if you prefer to call it X, um, or Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we're, we're there as well. Uh, so uh, please uh, get yourself uh, following those handles uh, as quick as you can. If you're watching this for the first time and you enjoyed yourself, please. Uh, uh, subscribe to the video uh, or subscribe to the channel, hit the like, uh, and also hit that notification bell because that will uh, give you the heads up as to when we're going back live. And it is generally on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. And due to uh, someone not paying their phone bill, we had to go on on Wednesdays, uh, go on on Wednesday this week. These things happen. Uh, these things happen and we adjust and the people were uh, very, very kind to uh, be accommodating and still show up tonight anyway. So it's all about that jazzy intro. All right. It's the jazzy intro. It it, it brought people in, you know? So now when we do it at the regular time, we should probably have more. Uh, Episode 300 Sunday, March 24th. We will have uh, some updates and some information on that as we get closer to it. Uh, So uh, be excited about that. Um, We're going to, try to figure out what we can do for bringing a guest uh yeah. you know, bringing a guest list in and or guests and, uh, plural guests plural we are going to probably be sitting uh on this stream channel for quite a while because when we did episode 200 i think that f- was about a three hour pod yeah we had like um, five guests on that, that that time uh three hour pod so look at something similar if not longer <laughs> yep we're gonna have a lot of fun with that we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're drinks. Looking we'll have libations that. yeah we will we will drink and we will be celebrating uh this achievement so, so. it could end very poorly <laughs> yeah it could it could very well uh so um so we have that to look forward to but uh, enjoy derby d'italia here coming up on sunday what a great match that's going to be yeah. uh looking forward to the results looking forward to reviewing that all with you here coming up tuesday night at 9 p.m eastern so uh until we see you then for richard i'm frank uh you just get out there and keep telling your paisans about us we appreciate it ciao Come in mezzo, la